0: Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Nomad Outdoor. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experience as a field, and share our members' stories. Welcome back, everybody, to this new edition of the Turkey Call All Access Podcast, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Nomad Outdoor. This week, we're heading west, guys. We are catching up with Pat Dorsey, Director of Conservation Operations, Western Region, and we're catching up with Colin Smith, District Biologist. We are gonna discuss the Big Sky Forestry Initiative. We uh, we had put a presser out back in uh, the end of August on this and. Uh, as, as we build towards uh, what's going to be a really awesome event uh, next summer out in in Bozeman, uh, we want to tell you about it. want to start uh, diving into it, um, bringing the, the the professionals in and tell you why this matters all across the country. Not just uh, for people that live in Montana and Idaho and people that have issues with wa- uh, wildfires. Okay, so uh, really awesome. Amazing initiative going on here with all the the stakeholders that are coming to the table, Uh, all the the local people that have. I mean, everybody out there, you're going to hear that has a vested interest in this. It doesn't matter if you're rich, middle class, poor movie star, gym teacher. It doesn't matter. Fire uh, is a threat to everybody out there, uh, to include the traveling turkey hunter. Uh, and as you'll find out, if, uh, if forests are not managed and they're shut down because of catastrophic wildfires, if there is no water uh, resource available, um, they're going to shut places down. And you just won't be able to go uh, and, and pursue your, your, your dreams, your turkey hunting dreams and, and, and the like. So it affects us all. Tune in. Uh, we're going to dive into that with Pat and Colin. All that in 90 seconds. Let's go.
1: Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there at silencer central we have another favorite it's the sound of silence delivered to your front door when you buy from silencer central we handle your application set you up with a free nfa gun trust and deliver your silencer straight to you with an average 90-day turnaround time when you use e-forms buying a silencer is simpler than ever visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started
2: under the visionary leadership of founder johnny morris Bass Pro Shops in Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation.
0: Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low-pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping, we got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear. Welcome everybody to this episode of the Turkey Call all Access podcast. I'm joined by um Pat Dorsey, Director of Conservation uh, Operations in the Western Region and Colin Smith, the uh, District Biologist for uh, Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming. I get them all? Correct. Did I miss That's one? It. Very good. Oh, that's it. (laughs) Awesome. I'm so glad we're able to uh, get together, uh, take some time out, talk about the Big Sky Forest Initiative. Um, For those of you that might have missed the uh, press release we had, a little while back. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. And what we're talking about are issues in the West, issues that are, are shared throughout the West with uh, burning, forest management, watershed management. Um, and so I wanted to bring Pat and Colin on to talk about this uh, as we lead up to a very big event uh, coming in uh, early summer. I think it's around June of 2023. Uh, our friends at Meat Eater are supporting this. There's some big stakeholders out West, uh, local businesses, are supporting this. So I'm going to I'm going to kind of sit back, ask a few probing questions and then let the the subject matter experts go. So, um, you know, as I sit here in New Hampshire on a blustery fall day, um, (laughs) why do I care about forest management in Montana? And what does that mean for me?
3: Well, I'll, I'll take a crack at it first, Fred. And 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 part of it is, you know, what's happening in the West is is starting to happen in other places. And um, I think even bigger than that, you know, you guys in the East have probably been breathing some of the smoke from the Western wildfires. And we're finding out that there are more bad things in that smoke than we realize. Mm. We're finding out that it's affecting how our crops grow. Um, You know, I even read a study here recently that they think it's decreasing potato production in Idaho based on wildfire smoke. So. I think it's an issue that's going to face all of us. And I think the other reason it's important to talk about is it's a really cool model for how work can be done, because we're saying sportsmen have a piece of this. The NWTF has a piece of it. Our federal partners have a piece of it. And our business community can all come together <laughs> to do some really great work and change their trajectory of that forest health condition.
0: Talk about some of the stakeholders here. As you know, as I look at the information, we have the uh, U.S. Forest uh, service involved here. Anybody else that you know we should recognize on this?
4: Well, Fred, the Forest Service will definitely be one of our leading partners, right? Because it, particularly in Montana, they administer, they have jurisdiction over probably the greatest chunks, greatest size chunks of forested lands in the state. So, so like Montana, so there's like 23 to 26 million acres of forested land in Montana. And about 19, 19 and a half, or yeah, probably 19, 19 million, 19 and a half million acres of that forested land occurs on Forest Service land. So that's about 85% Mm -hmm. of the forested acres in this state. And then the BLM, they'll eventually be a partner. We're kicking off this initiative with some projects we've already lined up with the Forest Service. But definitely we're going to, you know, the whole point of these initiatives in these large landscape-scale efforts is to leverage resources through partnerships. And obviously, you have to work where the forests occur in those lands. Again, Forest Service, but BLM, they manage about 1.3 million acres of forested land in Montana. And the National Park Service, while, while that's more reserved, um, that means r- really you're not able to actively manage that mm-hmm. land because of, uh, because of laws and regulations. But the National Park Service has about a million acres of forested land in Montana. And the state will be another partner, Department of Natural Resources and Conservation, the Forestry Division. The state has about 540,000 acres in Montana that the, of forested lands that mm-hmm. they manage. And then of course, private landowners will be another important partner down the road. Um, it's estimated that about 4 million acres of our forested lands in Montana reside on private lands. What is, so, yeah. does that present a challenge with the, the pri- especially
0: the private land? I know, I know getting into the different government agencies and, and who owns what and how you access that can be a challenge in and of itself, but the private land owners, are they receptive to this? I got it. I would think on the outside, looking in that if people are, are wanting to come together to help mitigate massive catastrophe by way of fire, that, that's a good thing for me as a landowner,
4: right? Definitely. Um, the... Private land, they're coming around, right? So, so prescribed fire, you know, natural fire is the lack of natural fire is the reason we're in the conditions we're in now. Mm-hmm. You know, for 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 a hundred years we've been suppressing nat- natural fires, and they're an integral part of the ecosystem. They're 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 uh, definitely needed to help maintain these systems. So. What, what's happened is by putting out these fires and every opportunity we've had a chance to, uh, we've just got overly dense stands, a timber thick. They're they're uh, monotypic stands. We're losing diversity. And when they actually do burn by natural conditions now, it's uh, more than likely in, in catastrophic fire events. So um, private landowners, and not just in Montana, but across the West, are starting to come around to the concept that prescribed fire is a good thing and it's needed. Um, it's been scary in the past. There's been instances where prescribed fires have gotten out, which there's always that chance, but obviously professionals try to minimize that to the greatest extent possible. But prescribed fires have gotten out and they've, they've, they've grown into wildfires. So um, people have been scared about that and rightfully so, but they are also now starting to come around and understand that, hey, if we don't thin some of this timber, And harvest some of it and better manage it and then and then get it in a condition where we can put fire back on the ground we're going to lose it all yeah and they're just as interested in maintaining their forested lands as we are
3: and fred um i might add you know like um if you look at the U.S. Forest Service or the BLM, they own a lot of land, right? And so those smaller landowners or the private landowners are typically smaller parcels. But I think what we're starting to realize in the West is those are really important parcels, right? Yeah. Like if we want to protect our water supply, we need that private landowner that's in the middle of the watershed to to help us when we do work on the Forest Service boundary. The, the fires, unfortunately, don't don't stop at the Forest sure, Service sure. sign, right? They burn wherever they want to. And so um it's it's important to have those private landowners on board from a water perspective. It's also important to have them on board when you think about, you know, it's been some of the fires out have have devastated communities, right? And so you don't want it burning into a community or a subdivision and getting those. Those folks to be part of this effort is crucial to maintaining all the values that that we all share.
0: So so two things I mentally I put a pin in, I want to try to tackle them sequentially here. Uh, Colin, you initially said, you know, we've big we have have suppressed natural fire. Uh, I want you to kind of. Dissect that a little bit. What does that mean to suppress fire that occurs? Like people, people hear fire. Like, of course, why wouldn't you suppress fire? Put that sucker out. Right. That that can't be good. And then the other part of this uh, that I want to segue to is what past are talking about is, is this urban sprawl. And and the population, uh, I guess we can call it a boom, especially over the last 24, 28 months, uh, specifically in Montana. But first, you know, Colin, go ahead and talk about that suppression, and then we can get into the population um, boom, as I, I termed it.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, looking uh-huh. back decades and decades and decades ago, you know, forest management has gone through different, kind of like different, different uh purposes over the years you know at one time you know forests were logged very heavy it, well well hell let's go back before European settlement right um, Native Americans <sighs> indigenous people were on the landscape and and they and they put fire on the ground purposefully um, just about every year in different places now they used fire as a tool for different things but some of that was actually to benefit wildlife habitat mm-hmm. right so fire's been a part of Of these natural systems. And of course, uh, natural fire is generally ignited by um, lightning strikes. So, fire's been part of the ecosystem. But after European settlement, you know, timber was seen as a very valuable uh, product. So, uh, at one point in time it was unregulated harvest, and a lot of areas were over harvested. Hmm. And then part of the reason the forest service was created was to protect the watersheds, because we began to realize that when you take all these trees off these watersheds, <laughs> it results in significant erosion right. um and problems with with uh with the streams uh silting in, things like that. So Forest Service was created for the protection of the watersheds. And then we started to better manage for forests. And then there was an era, and Pat helped me out. I, I think it was like 60s and 70s, where Smokey Bear was really big, right? Yeah. And 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 it was very effective, right? It was put out your campfires, make sure, you know, fire is a bad thing. Well, it just, I think it just kind of had a had a unintended consequence where People felt like fire was a bad thing in the forest. So so for many, many, many years, we suppressed just about any fire that was on the landscape, whether it was uh, unintentional or uh, a natural uh, ignited fire. There were large scale efforts to per- suppress those fires. And then and then with the advent of um, research into prescribed prescribe fire and, and the purpose of fire, and safe fire burning techniques. We're slowly trying to put fire back on the landscape, which we've been successful the last 20, 30, 40 years. But um, that being said, it's difficult, particularly in places like the West. There in the East and South, Fred, it's much easier to put fire on the ground just sure. because of. Uh, weather conditions, humidities, things like that, burn windows are longer. Out west here, very short burn windows, very, very, very short, spring and fall. A lot of conditions can be, um, they can change hectically, crazy fast in the, the topography we have out here. So it's much harder to burn. So we have not been able to burn as much prescribed fire. But, um, and and even even today, uh, we we still suppress fire. I mean, every year we have a fire season here in Montana in these western states, and the Forest Service continues to spend billions of dollars suppressing these fires just because now they have a high risk of burning into catastrophic wildfires Mm -hmm. that could threaten life or property. So uh, the key here is to get the forest back in shape through active management where we can put prescribed fire back on the ground in a safe manner and continue to manage forests that way.
0: Yeah, that's great. So, so
4: yeah, know, taking
0: the idea of that and, and people that are Montana natives or Western natives, right. That, that understand the benefit and, and, and maybe you're perhaps a generation and a half or two generations now removed from, you know, Smokey the Bear and, and that whole campaign. But you have this influx of, of newbies, non-native montanans right and a lot of these people are coming from coastal regions people are coming from the east they want to go find their slice of big sky country uh so they're not they're not hip to the game they don't understand so what is what is that that social uh barrier that social challenge that you know of of an influx of new people in your population and making them understand like this is a good thing. This is how we we keep things regulated or controlled around here. And it doesn't get out of control. And you don't have, you know, it pops to my mind. The the, the Yellowstone fire is an example of the late 80s and, you know, just an entire countryside scorched uh, and just totally devastating. And, and there's been recent fires. You know, I can't put my finger on, but I know for a fact that, you know, there's been just terrible damage done out there.
4: Yeah. Well, there's definitely, there's definitely, I'm going to turn some of that social license over to Pat because she's dealing with it now with the RMRI our Rocky Mountain Restoration Initiative program in Colorado. And, and she's mentioned that that's one of the, the challenges, but I, I can, I can say one thing that, um, you're right, Fred, that there's been a lot of people moving into Montana and, um, it's a it's a challenge for the forest service because you know one of one of the things they're really concerned with and charged with is protecting properties uh, that border the forest from wildfire, and we call that the wildlife the wildland urban interface WUI for short WUI, and that WUI is growing. It mm. used to be just around communities and down in valleys along private lands, but with the influx of people. Um, and and actually, the wealth pouring into the state of Montana, there are residences being constructed up up on the Forest Service edge, um, and other parts, um, not just around the communities, but all along the Forest Service borders. So that wooey is growing, right? So it's it's become a high priority to treat some of those areas. Um, for those reasons, of course, protecting life and property, but also it's a segue into treating some of the lands, the Forest Service lands behind those woosies. You've got to treat that wooey first if you're going to put prescribed fire back on the ground eventually, but it opens the door to, to treating the forest back up uh, in higher elevations, further removed from, from the private uh, parcels, but I'm, I'm going to let Pat address some of that social license because I know I know that is that is one of the challenges and hurdles that we have to overcome here mm-hmm. to get this work done.
3: Well, Fred, first off, I'd just say you were really kind saying that the the natives know it all, and it's, <laughs> it's the people that have moved in that don't know because, in all honesty, people love our we love our trees, right? And and sometimes people don't make the distinction between what's a good tree, what's a bad tree, how thick the trees were historically, all of that kind of stuff. And so to a certain degree, you know, I fault, um, I fault people like Colin and myself, right? Like biologists, we should be doing a better job of explaining to people why we're doing this and and why it's important. And, and I think eventually people um, – people will get it you know i think the other thing that people want to know is like we're talking about thinning trees here but that's good for wildlife people love wildlife and and to understand that that um thinning trees actually doesn't hurt wildlife it's it's good for wildlife. People want to know that, right? They want to know it's good for the environment. And so we need to do a better job. And so f- first off, I guess I got to give you a little shout out to given Colin and I some time today to talk about those benefits. Oh, yeah, right. Um, and, and we've already mentioned, you know, the importance to watershed, when you have a catastrophic wildfire go through, that doesn't help wildlife. It, it devastates communities and it can, basically contaminate an entire drinking water supply for a community. So, um, you know, it's something we need to deal with together.
0: And the water issue is, is one in and of itself. That's, you know, I think we, we talk about it here for the big sky force initiative. Uh, you mentioned the Rocky mountain, uh, project you're on, but you guys are having an issue with water out there. Your population boom is not, um, it's not being serviced by natural aquifers and, and a water resource. So where does this water come from? Add to that what, you, what Colin and you were talking about with with uh, with um, erosion and then the the natural pollutants uh, going into these water sheds that now it's, you know, it's no longer potable or you got to probably spend millions of dollars to treat that water. And, and do you have the even have the infrastructure to do so? These are things people aren't thinking when we're talking about. Habitat management and, and wild turkeys at all out there, but like the web is so big and there's so many intersections here. Like that's why I thought it was so important to have you guys come on today, and and we got more time to talk about. This. So you know, it, it, go into that and, and it, from a from a thirst standpoint, everything's <laughs> got to drink, man. Everything is alive needs hydration. We we can live for a month without without solid food, but you got about seven days without water, and then pff, that's it. You're dust.
3: And, and the west the is a super dry place. You know, we get, you know, eight to 12 inches of water a year, depending on where you're talking about. Some places get less than that. So we're a super dry place. And, and most of our water, it comes in the form of snow. It runs down through these watersheds in the spring and we store it in reservoirs. And to give you some idea of how devastating a fire can be, we had a... You know, some of these fires in California, right, have been 500,000 acres or a million acres. We had one small fire in Utah. It was 3,000 acres. And it put so much sediment into the drinking water supply. It completely shut down a water supply our water plant. And the people had, we're, get, were not getting water from that facility mm-hmm. at all. They had to rebuild the water plant to be able to treat the water. And so, I mean, you're right, it is a web and it's super connected. And so, you know, I, I think about all the people that drink water out there that maybe don't even know anything about the NWTF, but um, it's kind of a crazy connection. Oh,
0: that's an important part of our story, right? Because again, I mean, me and and, uh, and Jason Tarwater, you know, talk when we were when I was an RD, we would talk about this all the time. About you know, how do you how do you how do you talk about our message? What's our message? How do you sell? You know, if you're giving someone a thirty second elevator pitch on who we are, well, I can do that fairly easy here in, in New England and in, in the, the you know the whole Eastern Seaboard. But out there, how are you playing to people's sensitivities? And how is it? How does turkeys? And introduce species for all cases and all sense and purposes here in in Montana. Like, why does that matter? Well, here's why it matters. This work right here, Big Sky Forest Initiative and the partnerships and the collaboration between the different agencies. And and, and then, you know, we constantly talk about membership dollars on this program and and how on an average of five to one, your dollars get matched hello, here we go again. I mean, you start putting donations and sponsorships and underwriting and, and, and money into this, this project. Now we're doing some real good work here.
3: You know, we talk about the analogy of, um, you know, we're getting done on the back of the wild turkey. And so sometimes I mm-hmm. picture, right, this, this turkey walking through the woods and he's taking care of your drinking water. He's a big pack mule. Yeah, and he's fighting forest fires, he's, he's taking care of your home. And it really is true. And, um, and, uh, like I said, you know, I, I, um I think sometimes about telling the story, and how do we tell the story, we all need to tell the story is the bottom line, we need to work together to tell it.
0: The turkey, the the wild turkey, is is certainly who we are, and it, what's gets it gets us to the table in a lot of places. But the work we're doing is so multifaceted, and, and it runs so deep, and the opportunities presented, and just because of our membership, the size of of our organization, who we are, uh, going into fifty years next year, we're not very far away from turning fifty. Uh, that that legacy and that longevity of our organization, uh, gives us clout, and we're able to bring people together. Based on who we are and the work we've done historically over 50 years, um, that's nothing to, to, you know, bad an eye at. That's that's a pretty big haul on uh, the back of the turkey. Right. Like you aptly said. Oh. There's two projects that are ongoing right now. Uh, initial project, the Bozeman Municipal Watershed Project, uh, BMWP in the Elkhorns Cooperative Management Area. You guys want to touch on those a little bit, tell the audience about those. And I know we have, you know, there's definitely some long term project goals with that, but there's there's stuff happening on the ground
4: now. Yeah, there are actually. So, so one of the things we had mentioned another challenge out here in the West and in Montana in particular has been litigation, right? Uh, um, so, so a lot of these forest all these Forest Service projects and BLM projects, things of that nature, they require NEPA approval, which is a National Environmental Policy Act from the seventies. So, these projects have to go through an approval process and and uh, Um, Only then can can work begin. Well, that that approval process often results in litigation that can hold projects up. Mm. So the Bozeman Municipal Watershed Project is a project that has been on the books for quite some time. And it had it had been tied up in litigation. But here recently it was approved and uh, cleared for for uh, initiation, implementation. So that's primarily a Forest Service project, but also. Um, And and it's occurring in and around a a watershed called Highlight Creek and Highlight Reservoirs up there. And this, this provides what we were just talking about, drinking water for the city of Bozeman. So it's just south of town up in there on the Forest Service. But um, the project consists of thinning, some pre-commercial thinning, also some commercial harvest. Um, They're actually some of those ridges back in there pretty steep and they're going to need to uh, go in there by hand hand sawyers and and cut trees and take that product out with helicopters. So some of it's going to be a helicopter harvest. But also, again, the goal is to put prescribed fire back on the ground. But we are also working across jurisdictional boundaries uh, via private landowners, because um, as you as you come out of the forest service boundary, there you're right into private lands, and and there's some forested private land ownership in there. And through our National Forestry Initiative program, which is our partnership with NRCS, mm-hmm. where we provide foresters uh, for work for uh, getting work done on private lands, uh, our our. Uh, Bozeman Forester, Bozeman Station Forester in Montana, has been working with some of those private landowners in that area. So, so this is this project is a great example <laughs> of that uh, large landscape scale water high priority watershed type project and across jurisdictional boundaries. The Elkhorns project is another one similar in nature. We've been working on private lands up in the Elkhorns uh, to. Um, remove a lot of encroaching juniper western juniper is a species that is highly flammable and without natural fires occurring on a regular basis it can it can become pretty thick and uh it basically uh, suppresses some it's it's actually it can it can provide really good wildlife habitat, but if it gets too thick and too monotypic, you start to lose habitat diversity. Um, uh, and the that you know it shades out a lot of grasses and forbs. So this project is centered on a lot of juniper removal, but there is also some other conifer removal that'll be taking place. Um the elkhorns is a really neat area. It's a it's a um it's a It's a mountain range. It's just kind of south of Helena, but it's comprised of multiple ownerships. There's Forest Service land in there, BLM land in there, state land, and also private lands. And it was one of the first, if not the only, um, approved wildlife management area across jurisdictional boundaries with the BLM and Forest Mm -hmm. Service. So uh, it's a really neat area. And then, of course, up on the north end of the Elkhorns, there's another project. Same thing like the Bozeman Municipal Watershed. There's a there's a reservoir up there that provides drinking water to the town of Helena, and there's some work going on up there. So these are two projects we've got our eye on. We're trying to raise some funds to help support these projects, and, and of course, um, we'll do that any way we can, whether it's through funding assistance or technical assistance or, again, on the private land side of things. And then also just another project we just um, – are working with the Forest Service on is up in on the Bitterroot, um, the West Central Project. We're going to be working with the Bitterroot National Forest up near Stevensville, Montana Mm -hmm. to do some similar work in the WUI.
1: Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use e-forms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started.
2: Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success with more than six million dollars provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation.
0: Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping. We got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear. The, I was looking over some of the notes on this here. Um, the, there was a b- good point to be made about, especially about Bozeman, where it's, you know, one of the faster growing, uh, areas, I think, throughout the country, as far as, you know, we talked about population, but is the, the ecotourism plus the influx of people, you're, you're up to a uh, half a million people that are being serviced there. Um, and those are. And again, I think it goes back to uh, new, the newbies, right? The people that just don't know coming in. So why this is so important and <clears throat> why work like this, I, it just it crosses all biases, all boundaries, all your political leanings. Like I, this is something I think everybody, everyone that's a stakeholder, everyone that's got property out there that, that has a zip code on their mailbox that they adhere to has a reason to care about this. It has a reason to be involved. Everybody from the, the Hollywood elites that, that, that have now set up residence down to, uh, you know, the the mom and dad that, that are got a kindergarten going to the local elementary school. Like everybody can get in on this and should be supporting this because the fire, like you said, Pat, it doesn't pay attention to political boundaries. It doesn't pay attention to fire breaks if it can help it, it'll jump that. It certainly doesn't care about your socioeconomic status. Big house, little house, superstar, nobody is going to burn you down.
3: Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, and it's like I was just looking at some numbers, too. And I think about 85 percent of the, the forests in Montana are increased risk of catastrophic wildfire. That's crazy. Um, you know, the NWTF has four <clears throat> values, right, that we're trying to protect with this work, which is wildlife, water, communities and recreation access. The other thing that happens when these fires burn is the Forest Service says, we got to shut off access to the forest, right? So you're coming out. You want to go hunting. You want to t- take your family and go hiking. Access to the forest is closed. So the only way we maintain access to those public lands is to do this important work. We, we talked about, you know, getting a five to one match on your funds, right? So for every dollar, we're going to bring five more dollars to the table. On average, that's, yeah, on average, a lot of times it's more than that. That's right. Sometimes it's 20 to 1, That's you know. Exactly right. um, we've got three projects already, you know, that, we're, uh, that are on the ground. And then I, I think about the many, many partners that are out there. And then, of course, it all kind of comes back to, you know, and who drinks water? Everybody, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the numbers are pretty astounding when we think about it.
4: Yeah, and and one thing I might mention, Fred and Pat, you're 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 right. I mean, it's like people are pouring into the Bozeman area, and it's not just Bozeman; it's all kinds of towns across the West, right. right? People are pouring in; they're coming in off the coast and cities, and they realize that quality of life is is um there's much more opportunity to to improve quality of life just by outdoor recreation, whether whether you're a consumptive user like a hunter or or, or a fisher person or um just a mountain biker, hikers, campers. But people move to these areas, these small towns. Well, once was a small town growing, right, but right, a town right. like Bozeman, they moved there for the recreation. And that recreation is primarily available via public lands. So those shared values that Pat mentioned are so critical to our work. And it's it's not just wild turkeys, right? We're, we're fortunate in that the wild turkey is a bird that uses extremely diverse landscapes mm. and ecosystems and habitats. Cause I mean, we work everywhere from desert landscapes to montane areas in the West, to to um, swamps and wetlands in the Southeast and and, and to Appalachian and, and well up into New England. That's we right. work across the landscapes, but, but those shared values are also important. Just, I mean, look at our mission, right? We're conservation of the wild Turkey and preservation of our hunting heritage. Okay, well, people hunt, right? But hey, you're not going to be doing a whole lot of hunting if you just had a massive fire come through, come through uh, your hunting areas or public lands, or burn up your community. That's the last thing you're worried about, right? So, um, again, the wildlife habitat Pat mentioned and the water resources we talked about are critical uh, to maintaining those watersheds. And um, recreation opportunities, Pat's right, when there when there's fires in these areas, the Forest Service, they, they have to shut these areas down. There's even after the fire's out for quite some time, they have to go in there and do cleanup. There's a lot of dead snags that could pose risk to people that are out there camping or hiking. So, And, and, and you know, there's erosion that, that happens, and they have to evaluate restoration processes before they can even open some of these areas back up after a burn. My wife and so, I, um,
0: many years ago, yeah. took a trip to to Yellowstone um, before we started, you know, our our, our multiplying our family here. And, uh, you know, I remember walking through some of the areas of the, the backcountry with those, you know, those snags, widow makers, whatever you want to call them. And the wind whipped up and then all of a sudden. Trees just come crashing down around us. This is like an everyday and we are hauling ass out of the forest trying to get back to our car uh, while not, you know, attracting um, attention from the the local predators <laughs> that were abundant. Uh, it was a pretty wild trip. And that was pretty scary. And that was all because of that, that fire that I had mentioned, that, that late 80s fire. And you still had the, these remnants uh, some 20, 30 years later. Mm-hmm. That we're not taken care of. What is the, What does that mean? Right. So when we talk about the the management of the forest and the damage that's been done, what actually happens when the Forest Service goes in or we, you know, we bring our resources together to, to, to hire contractors or, or put p- boots on the ground? What actually happens? Because you hear it all the time. We got to go in there and manage the forest and do this. And it kind of ends there. And I don't think anyone ever thinks
4: beyond that, that what what's the physical work that that takes place? Yeah. Yeah. So so going back to like fire, right, the um, fire is not a bad thing. Right. And that's what we need to impress upon people. It's not a bad thing. It's just that when conditions are right for catastrophic wildfires, it can be a bad thing sure. because it knows no bounds. But even natural fire in, 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 uh, in under the right conditions is healthy. It burns a nice, good mosaic across the landscape. So what we're trying to do by active management, and in in this case in the West, Again, the stands most a lot of the stands are so dense that um, and we've suppressed fire and 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 we haven't talked about like beetle and bug infestations, right? They're part of the natural process also, but but when stands get overly dense and there are beetle outbreaks, it tends to spread like I mean a bad disease across the landscape and mm. gr- much larger uh greater quantities than would naturally occur in a nice naturally thinned out stand. So what we're what we're doing by active management is we're going in the, into these stands and we're we're selectively taking out trees. We're we're either doing a non-commercial thinning which means in this part of the country we're taking out trees like eight inches diameter at about your chest height. We call it DBH, diameter, breast height. But that's about an eight-inch tree or less in this country. We're taking those out. They're not, there's not a lot of um, merchantable opportunity for trees of that size. There is some post and pole uh, product that can be produced by some of that But for the most part, a lot of uh, a lot of chip mills and things like that have Mm -hmm. been closed down. And that's a whole different discussion, right? There's is our mills and our capacity. But we're taking out that non-commercial stuff. We're thinning these stands. It, It gets the stand in a much more healthier environment. And, and hopefully, the, the goal is to be able to put prescribed fire back on the ground without killing a lot of trees. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have a little bit of mortality, we know that, but at least we can put fire back on the ground safely. Um, we also are looking at uh, timber that is nearing the end stage of its life. You know, these are really old adult trees, and we'll, we'll go in there and we'll do commercial harvests. Uh, you know, cut out saw logs, saw timber, stuff like that. And this is this is product that can be utilized and there's a value to it. And um, it's it, it's a really good method for managing forest because when you can take trees out of a forest healthily, right? I mean, the forest, they're ready to come out. You can take it out. You generate revenue. And that revenue through forest stewardship agreements with the forest service can go right back into thinning Other areas, let's say a non-commercial unit, a non-commercial part of the forest, that it would cost money to do because it it does. It costs money to cut these trees out that have no value. It's very expensive. So that's kind of what we're talking about by active management. We're we're going in and we're we're thinning non-commercial stands, but we're also doing commercial harvests where they can occur and also putting, uh, putting fire back on the landscape through prescribed fire application. I think it's important
0: yeah. to hit on the notes of how that how that 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 symbiotic relationship works. Right, as, as far as you know, uh, taking out commercial grade timber and then using the revenue that to reinvest into the resource. Right, some people, a lot of people actually see that and they say, "Oh, it's a cash grab! Oh, they're they're making all this money. They're going in, they're ruining the forest, and then they're just walking out with bags of bags of treasure like a leprechaun or something." And it's just not the case. That money is being reinvested. like you said, it, through these agreements, like you can't just walk away with that money and and, and lie in your pockets. That's not how it works. So it's, you know, the the diversification of the forest makeup as it is so that you have, you know, like you said, you start clearing that underbrush and make it habitable for for pult recruitment, for other upland game species, uh, fowl species that, that need that that grass cover um and then you know the the undulates that are out there and the other predators that are out there that people like we said half a million plus people in that one area alone never mind the yellowstone and greater yellowstone area that just put millions and millions and millions of dollars into that economy out there um it's really important that all of these creatures uh game and non-game species alike have a home
3: you know fred i I always think about um you know what these forests look like historically. And in some of these forests where we're where we're working, there we have like five hundred trees per acre. And there used to be 35. Historically, Mm. there were 35 trees there per acre. So you figure you've got 465 extra trees that are taking up the water that the tree right next to it needs. Right. That you think about if you're Mm -hmm. an elk or you're a turkey or you're a songbird, you probably can't even fly through that forest anymore or, or walk through that forest. Right. And so. There's a there's a whole bunch of stuff, and I don't think people realize when Colin says these forests are too dense, they're not just too dense. They're they're like you know more than ten times the number of trees that they have. And and the other thing that people don't realize when you have five hundred trees per acre instead of thirty five trees per acre, instead of having great big old trees, that you know, provide turkey roosts and songbird habitat and grass canopy underneath it. You've got a bunch of trees that are four or five inches in diameter that really don't, don't provide wildlife forage or, you know, carbon storage or any of those kind of things that, that people like to talk about having the value of the forest.
0: Trees. So. the Trees and the plant life. It's amazing. I think if everybody took a Dendro 101 class, it would really help them look at their own backyards better and, and realize it's funny to say, but like <clears throat> how violent they really are. I mean, they got a long game, but when you watch some of these tree species that will, you know, vine up or overtake another lesser weaker tree just to out-compete it for canopy space to get that sunlight and then put roots on its roots for the mineral and the water access it's trees are they're dastardly (laughs) especially the ones that just take (laughs) over but you know because it takes so long to appreciate the end result like it's "Ah, it's just much trees Right. it's it's super complex. One of the things that's
3: starting to happen in the West is kind of the opposite of what you described, Mm. which is like our trees are so thick, like Colin mentioned, that we're having these shade tolerant species Mm. come in underneath and they're outgrowing the the trees that like the sun. Mm. So, I mean, it's just crazy how we basically taken nature and turned it on its head with good purposes, right? All we set out to do. Was stop forest fires yeah. by putting every single one of them out, and now here we are in a situation where we're trying to play catch up for the last 110 years of fire suppression.
0: Yeah. Colin, yeah. you had you something you wanted to jump in on
4: there? No, I was just going to say it's all about succession, right? right. Forest succession—it stages, it stages of growth, and 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 un- unfortunately, that that. Those factors like natural fire that play a role in that succession, we've taken it out. You know, man has suppressed that. We will go in and put those fires out. And, and, And it's allowed... It's allowed these really dense stands, monotypic generally in nature. And meaning for those that don't know that, that means just like one species, you know, monotypic. It's when when if fire had gone through those stands, it'd be more diverse. There may be uh, many more species mm-hmm. because that canopy would be spread out more, more sunlight, more water availability. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of times these dense stands are monotypic, and 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 like I said, when a fire goes through there, they can be catastrophic in nature, and it takes it all the way back down to zero, right? And and it had, that succession has to start over. So in other words, it didn't get from like zero to ten; Right. it got to like zero to four. <laughs> and then a, and then a massive catastrophic wildfire comes in, wipes it out, takes it right back down to zero. And we're we're losing, um, when we say we're losing habitat diversity, that means we're also le- losing species diversity, right? Because wildlife, they fill unique niches generally for sure Um, so when we lose habitat diversity we lose species diversity so uh so that that's something that's always on our mind as a wildlife biologist when we cruise these stands and we're looking at them and saying oh gosh you know this this might be great for a deer to hide in or, or or some thermal cover for elk but, but look at all the, uh, the, the, the forest game birds that we've lost habitat for, the grouse, wild turkeys, things like that, non-game species. Um, a lot of our meadows, our mountain meadows that are so important for forage for uh, numerous wildlife species, mm. ungulates in particular, we're losing those. Because these trees are invading these meadows. And what's happening is the whole landscapes becoming forested when we used to have these open patches that used to um they used to help with natural fire mosaics on the landscape and and what a mosaic is is basically when when a fire occurs across the landscape it's going to burn some areas more intense than others Right, It's going to rip through a meadow. If it's really dry and it's grassland, it's going to rip through there really hot. But a lot of times it can crash down into what we call a riparian area where there's more shade, more moisture. And a fire might taper out a little bit, and not burn through there mm. quite as devastating and kill the trees. And these mosaics are very healthy for landscapes because you've got different seral, different successional stages that occur. And they're providing a wide, diverse array of wildlife habitat, which in turn benefits a a wide suite of species. So that's kind of what we're trying to emulate here, right? We're going back into these areas. We want to release these meadows of trees. Um, We want to provide grasslands on the Western landscape in our forested environments, Uh, but but yeah, it's 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 just as much an art as it is a science, right? For sure. I mean, it's 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 really it's uh, we got a heck of a job ahead of us. I can tell you that there is a yeah. lot of forest out here.
0: There is a lot, and,
4: and we're we're not going to be able to treat it all. I think it, we all are resigned to that fact, but we need to prioritize watersheds and landscapes and critical high risk areas, as Pat mentioned. What would you say, Pat? Eighty five percent of it is classified as high catastrophic wow. fire risk. That's that's a lot when we're talking about the forested acres in Montana. Yeah. So, so it's a matter of just, you know, identifying these priority areas, working through building partnerships, um, leveraging resources is critical. And the private dollars that our teams are trying to raise through things like the Big Sky Forestry Initiative are extremely critical because those private dollars are required is match to secure federal dollars without sure. those private dollars. And without that match, we couldn't do the work uh, that, that we're doing. And um, so, so it's very important. It's mm-hmm. very important to raise those private funds.
0: I know that the, um, Uh, i mentioned jason he's the regional director out there and a lot of his volunteers i think from the bozeman chapter have really in earnest uh, put a good effort behind a fundraising initiative so uh, i think i name dropped meat eater at the beginning of this they're going to be involved there's again there's other uh, local businesses i i think that are coming to the table with offerings uh, one way or another but meat eater in particular i know they're doing um Some VIP helicopter tours, which might be a first ever for NWTF as far as an incentive. (laughs) Normally, we offer a a shot glass or something. I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, But there's going to be some helicopter tours that uh, uh, people can get in on uh, by going to... uh, event page and registering and and you can walk yourself through that but uh two two helicopters will be uh ushering people uh from granite peak table uh guests along uh the big sky force initiative area to uh they're going to answer questions tour the bozeman municipal watershed project we talked about that around the reservoir um so that's a cool deal i think they're going to uh have a table that you can bid on or somehow buy your way to a seat at the table with the, the meteor crew as well, which is pretty cool. So, um, you know, we'll certainly link people to this event, this event page. And as it's updated, so people can go check that out and see, you know, how you can be involved. I suspect the, the size and scope of this thing, um, you probably get a lot of people, even from over my way coming out to this. It sounds like it's going to be one heck of an event. Uh, and they're really, and they're, and they're adding to it almost daily. It sounds like.
3: I I think it's going to be one of those things. that's like nothing like an NWTF has ever seen before, right? Like you mentioned, helicopter rides, (laughs) a lot of the local breweries and distilleries are behind this. And, and the bottom (laughs) line is I would, I would think if folks in the East right now are listening to your podcast and they're thinking about coming out West for, um, a vacation and maybe to go through Yellowstone, you should think about coming out and attending the big sky event you know as a fundraiser
0: and even if you're you can't it can seriously contributing five or ten bucks or however the the fundraising mechanism is set up that they have for this and i mean that normally you know that's like a, a real kitschy thing to say in these situations but hell i was out there this spring i i went out there and chased uh miriams out in montana and i i tore all over that state and it was You know, it was, it was beautiful. It was just a wonderful experience. I saw the junipers. I had no idea the juniper issue out there. Um, and I was I was made aware of that and got to tour some of uh, historical NWTF property sites and, and and hunt on those places. So, yeah, especially you folks that are that are in pursuit of the 49 state Super Slam. And it's going to require you uh, to go to some of these beautiful places. Uh, we talk about having skin in the game all the time. And, and, you know, that starts with buying a membership to NWTF and then doing more. Uh, you have this opportunity to really uh, put your name on something and, 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 so, and leave a legacy to an extent. Um, that's a pretty big deal. And you can do that pretty easily with the magic of technology and, and going into the event page and being involved. Or, you know, if you're a bigger uh, corporate uh, type uh, and you want to put your bigger corporate dollars to work uh, as a passion project, you see an opportunity here to put your name on something pretty good. Um, there, there's opportunities there as well. Guys, in the closing moments, you know, at closing thoughts, uh, ideas, things you want to cover before before we uh, end the call here.
4: No, just that we we realize we've got a lot of work ahead of us, but it but it starts you know with the first project or two, and we've we've got you know we've been working in Montana for many many years now, and we're fortunate as an organization and NGO to have developed the relationships with our partner agencies that we have, uh, namely the Forest Service and BLM and Montana State Forestry. So we've got a a, a great crew out here. A great slate of partners to work with, and we're just we're just anxious to get started. We need to raise those dollars and and just chip away at it, one project at a time. Yeah. You know, it's. it's
3: and Fred, yeah. the the one thing that I would add is, um, you know, you um, what we've always done is we've done small project and we uh, small projects that we've scattered them across the landscape. And what we're starting to realize is, the threats out here in the West are big threats Hmm. and if you do little projects you don't you don't help that threat out at all and so what big sky is really aimed at is it's saying we've got this big threat let's throw out some big solutions and and um you know what i think that's that's where we need to go right and so anyway i'm hoping everybody can get behind it and like you said i think five bucks a piece donated on the website be an awesome start
0: yeah (laughs) um there's, there's certainly every, there's opportunity for everyone to have, to have something in on this. And what I am excited about from, you know, having a, a fundraising background myself is that I think this model can be replicated across the country. You know, we think about the the Southern Gulf States and their motivations to get turkeys back on the landscape in a big way and the concerns that are happening there, you know, you, Pat, you said, you know, we do a little habitat project here, a little habitat. All right, well, let's, Let's take a big bite out of the whale, man. Let's see if we can eat it in six bites instead of 60 bites. Um, BSFI is successful. Uh, Let's go ahead and replicate that in in the South, in the Southeast and start really, you know, uh, during Conservation Week, we announced so many awesome uh, funded projects across the land that, you know, we're addressing these problems, especially when it comes to Turkey uh, populations in, in some of these challenged areas. So, I mean, that is happening, but. If you can, if you can take something like this and have it be successful and then emulate that elsewhere, um, man, sky's the limit, it really is. And we can do some amazing work and, and we got the professionals to do it. and We have the relationships. Um, it's exciting. I can't wait to see how this goes. I'm pretty certain uh, I and uh, my 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 counterpart, uh, Gilbert Randolph, will be out there to cover the event. Um, So we'll we'll do this podcast thing again. We'll cover it socially. Get out there. I don't know if I'm going to get in a helicopter. It kind of freaks me out, but I'll send a GoPro (laughs) up with somebody. You guys can uh, (laughs) get footage for the uh, the social (laughs) outlets. (laughs) Um, what else while I have you, uh, can, can we hit the, uh, the audience too is going on out there, uh, outside of the, uh, the big sky force initiative project here.
4: Well we we uh we've got we're we're fortunately we've got a couple of really good successful initiatives here in the west and maybe Pat can touch on the RMRI but I'll I'll speak to another initiative we, we actually we were just on a call working on it earlier this morning but it's it's the waterways it's called the waterways for wildlife initiative mm-hmm. and this uh repairing <clears throat> ecosystems are another important part of the western landscape particularly in the great plains states right so that's a sea of grasslands from montana north dakota all the way down to texas and new mexico Um, rather arid environment but but primarily grasslands and riparian stringers which are waterways those are the areas that are closely associated with rivers creeks, streams lakes they're laced with trees, cottonwood trees, and these cottonwood trees are critical to wild turkeys on the landscape in those, those states. So um, those are another ecosystem that they've got their own unique set of challenges, but they're important to us, to the Turkey Federation Um as turkey habitat but also again to the people to communities they provide areas for recreation Um, those waterways have wetlands that are important for drinking water um, wildlife habitat things like that but uh but we're working on the repairing areas as well through waterways for wildlife and that's a great initiative that just kicked off um, it was modeled after a former initiative we had that was very successful in the Northern Plains states. But um, that's another one that uh, some of the some of the listeners can tune into. You can go on our website and, and uh, Google that Waterways for Wildlife and take a look at some of the projects we're working on. And uh, I'll let Pat talk a little bit about about the RMRI. Please.
3: Yeah, Fred. So um, the Rocky Mountain Restoration Initiative is based in Colorado and it it really was kind of a model. When you talk about duplicating things, we can duplicate this and move it to the southeast. This is really the model, I think, for the Big Sky Forestry Initiative. And probably the biggest thing that's going on here in the West, uh, folks have heard, um, you know, the Forest Service has launched its wildfire crisis strategy. They want to confront the wildfire crisis strategy on a national level and um, They're talking about doing 20 million acres of forest restoration work on Forest Service land over the next 10 years and 30 million acres on other other land over the next 10 years. And the NWTF is going to be involved in that in a big way. Um, So I think, you know, if nothing else, I'm I'm setting us up for more podcasts and more of your time later on, because I think we'll be seeing a lot of cool stuff happening out here. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And I know uh, I think you and I touched on at the symposium briefly, but I think there's some plans for um some special appearances out that way and, and really highlight some of the project areas that are going on out there so i know um on this side of the house very excited about that and being able to to storytell and, and bring that those stories to to all of our membership and and the people that listen to this show and and, and else, elsewhere so um you know we we as an organization remain super active all over all over and 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 I think it's important to tell this Western story. Um, I've since I started this podcast back in 2017, and I, I recognize that there was some sort of uh, Western renaissance going on. And that's what I called it. The, the Western hunter renaissance, whatever it is, has taken a hold. And, and since 2000, you know, over five years, or moved almost six years from that. And, um, you know, it's not changing. There's, there's a huge movement out West. There's lots of collaboration. I love seeing even the, the for-profit people with their, their clothes and their gear and, and they all work together. It seems like I don't, you don't really hear about a lot of infighting and competition. Like these, these different companies get together and they support what's going on out there. And, um, you know, I, it's really important to tell this this story and what what we as an organization are doing out there and that it's it's not Southeast centric. It's not just happening in these traditional areas of, of NWTF where, we, you know, where we started that we're doing it and we're doing it everywhere and we're doing it really well. And uh, I dare say, if not for our organization, a lot of this stuff doesn't happen. Just yeah. does not happen because I, I, we are really good at bringing people together and bringing uh, stakeholders together and, and and motivating people to to step to the table. And um, you guys and our policy folks just knocking out of the park every time. So I'm really excited about it. next June. We'll continue to, to push this out uh, on our social feeds and telling the story. Anytime you guys want to come back on, you got some updates, some cool stuff. We'll 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 set some time aside. Um, but uh, I've taken up an hour of your time, and I really appreciate it. I'll give you two more shots, one each, if you got something you want to say before we hang up, and otherwise, I'll I'll return you to your day.
4: I'll I just, just want to thank
3: you, Fred. We'll, it's been awesome being on with you.
0: Oh, for sure, yep. thank you,
4: and and thanks, Fred. And I just want to leave it to the listeners that every dollar we can raise, you know, we we require a five percent match to secure some of these federal funds. So just think of it that way. Um, you know every every dollar you raise uh we can we can secure uh i don't know if we raise y- you pitch in five dollars we'll we'll get 95 dollars from the federal government right? there
0: you go so that's so, great uh, <laughs> i like <yeah>. that math <laughs> <That's> perfect <laughs> guys thanks so much for your time i appreciate it uh i'll let you guys know uh outside of this when this will when this will drop and um you guys can Put it out to you to your friends and, and everybody else and, and continue to tell the story but uh until next time thank you pat thank you colin good luck uh stay safe out there in montana and and all those those spaces you're, you're working in and we'll talk real soon
4: sounds good thank, thank you for it. It.
0: thanks so much to pat and colin for again uh, carving out the time and going into that and, and putting some meat on the bones here um get involved how you can guys. Uh, there is, uh, an event page for this. I imagine if you want to be involved and you can't get there, you'll be able to reach out to Jason Tarwater, who is the regional director out there. You can get involved with any of the partners that are going to come to the table if that's how you want to contribute to this, but, uh, the more the merrier. And this is going to be one heck of an event. And, uh it, it's it's as we started talking about there towards the end of the conversation, you know people people see the NWTF and obviously it's in the name and it's who we are and but like Pat said, we you know we build success on the back of the wild turkey and and here you go. I mean when you're when you're talking to people about the organization you're a member of or you may work for you then the organization you love you know why turkeys why NWTF? Well, here's why here's why we're the leader in conservation. here's why we are. The single best uh, conservation success story in, in North America, with the restoration of the wild turkey and the ability to keep wild sp- spaces open and in good managed uh, condition. So a lot of good stuff going on here and it's only going to get bigger. So uh, I invite you to to talk with if you if you are in a position where you're a business owner a leader somewhere in a business and you think this is worth your while uh, like pat was talking about match dollars it it makes a lot of sense and um, you can you can leave a legacy so we will have the uh, information there available to you so you can go check that out and uh, see how to get involved with the big sky forestry initiative event coming up uh housekeeping stuff guys the uh the sweepstakes that we have it's a single season grand slam and and a whole bunch of other prizes that are going to come with it uh the ability to double your entries ends in uh, a week and a half or so from this uh, this original drop so uh last day of october that is your last day to double your entries so the incentive to get in on that now is going away. So give that a look. The Grand Slam sweepstakes is happening. Uh, we have various membership offers out there. Uh, if you don't like any of the uh, the incentives, there's always um, – the Bass Pro gift card. So uh, that's always a a great standard that we've had for a while now. Uh, Basically, your your membership is net $10. Uh, For $35, you're going to get all your membership benefits for a year. And then we're going to give you a $25 Bass Pro gift card. That's awesome. When with the holidays coming around, um, if you don't need it, you could slip it in a holiday card to a faraway family member. You can stick it in a stocking, whatever you want to do. Great Hanukkah present, however you're rolling. Uh, every, I think everyone would appreciate twenty five bucks to Bass Pro that are especially listening to this program. So that's available to you as well we got some great stuff coming on our social channel, so do keep up there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, uh, and YouTube. Our YouTube channel continues to grow. Uh, engineer Gilbert Randolph does a fantastic job of getting content up there loaded and, and making that into bite-sized pieces. So um, full-length features, uh, part partial Videos, There's lots of good content out there, lots of good learning, uh, lots of fantastic storytelling. So do head over to the NWTF YouTube page and subscribe uh, so you don't miss new content when that rolls out. And as always, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you can subscribe, follow, and rate, we ask that you do that. Those five-star ratings always help us move up in the charts and work around those algorithms. Uh, As always, it's a competitive market. And the way we can tell our story, this is just one of those mediums, uh, and we'd like to uh, to be out there for folks, so please participate where you can. I'm actually kicking around the idea. Uh, if you leave us a review, a five star and a comment, um, I'm thinking uh, uh, somebody I know has done this, and I think it's a fantastic idea that uh, include a question for us, uh, for a potential guest or any guests or anybody here. And uh, if you ask a question pertaining to something uh, that we can answer. Uh, in that in your rating you will uh you will be the first question we ask as we you know we get we get requests we get different emails uh, about the show uh you'll move to the front the top so if uh, if you're so inclined you got a question leave it there that is it for this week more great stuff coming i hope your seasons are going well um we're moving into the holiday so pay uh close attention and follow uh some of the cool stuff we have coming out the uh Different offers that will be available to you on our, our, our e-com storefront. Um, new gear coming out, some exciting uh, new uh seasonal items that I think you guys will dig. So uh make sure you're checking out shop.nwtf.org for the latest there. And uh I think I think y'all are gonna dig what's coming for uh the holiday season. So check that out. Until next time, folks. Oh, Sportsman's Box. I don't don't want to miss the Sportsman's Box. Again, another, speaking of the holidays, another great opportunity there uh, and and could be a great present uh, if you subscribe. There are four seasonal boxes. If you subscribe, you're going to save a bunch of money, or you can buy the one box at a time. Right now it's the Fall Box. It will be the Winter Box coming up, Spring, and then Summer. So uh, be sure to check out the NWTF Sportsman's Box. Now we're out of here. Be well. Take care of each other. Love each other. And until next time, we'll see you. Bye-bye.
2: Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitats, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Some say a silenced
1: gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use e-forms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not,
0: I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low-pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping, we got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear.